Well, here we are. Is, notice anything different besides bells in front of us? There's a large tree here. There's a wreath here right below the pulpit. Now, we have, um, we're in December, the first Sunday of Advent. Can, can you believe that? I mean, it was just like yesterday that we were having the kickoff for college football. And here we are. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but we're, we're here, and we have, the church is very intentional in our calendar to say, we need to pause for a moment. We need to take a step back from everything because the world around us would have us race from the beginning of college football to Thanksgiving to Rival Weekend to Black Friday to Cyber Monday to whatever Tuesday to Christmas. But the church says, wait a minute. Our faith says we need to pause, take a step back, and think about what's going on around us. To consider the whole, the, this discipline, this faithful discipline of waiting for the coming of the King. And so we have this season of Advent, four Sundays, when we have to practice, we get to practice waiting and preparing for the coming of Christ the King. Micah spoke last week on Christ the King Sunday, and he told us, um, reminded us that that was the last Sunday of the year. And, and this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, is the first Sunday of the year. And we begin moving forward the Christian year. And we begin by preparing ourselves as individuals, as families, as homes, and as a community of faith for the coming of Jesus Christ the King. And so we adorn our homes we adorn our places of worship. We prepare ourselves. And we have all of these reminders around us that something special is going to happen. That God is faithful to bring forth a king, a lord, a savior for all humankind who will redeem all of creation. And that's something worth waiting for. And so we, we prepare, you know, we have a Chrismon tree, and I want to thank Leslie Johnson for heading that up, and our, uh, some of our confirmands were here to help decorate, and, and they have placed these um, um, Chrismons on the tree. And Leslie reminded me when, last week when she was um, putting all this together that these are handmade. Some of them are quite old, like 40-some-odd years old. But they're all handmade which is important to think about because it takes individuals to prepare themselves and to prepare for the coming of the king. So individuals make these chrismons. And each one is unique because each one of us has to prepare ourselves for the coming of our king. And then we place all of our individual efforts on the chrismon tree, and now we have a, a representation of our community preparing itself for the coming of our king. So we adorn it with, with symbols of our faith. 
crosses, stars, butterflies, anchors, angels, circles, globes, doves, symbols of peace and hope and love and joy, which is why we have an advent wreath. Four candles surrounding one central candle. Three purple candles symbolizing hope first. Then peace. And on the last Sunday of Advent, love. But on the third Sunday of Advent is joy represented by a rose candle. We make our way around this wreath till we get to the center. And on Christmas Eve, we will light the Christ candle, the candle in the middle, the white candle, and that represents the coming, the arrival of Christ our King as the Word made flesh, as an infant, vulnerable in the world. And we're preparing ourselves. We're preparing our homes, our communities, and our church to celebrate the arrival of our King. That's worth waiting for. That's worth stepping back long enough to think about why is the King coming? What is the point of Christmas? It's because the King brings with the King His kingdom. A kingdom of hope, of peace, joy, and love. And like the Christmas trees lit up with lights, we are to be a light in the world, reflecting the light who's Jesus Christ, the one true light. So as we make our way through Advent, I encourage us to look around, to notice the changes where we worship, even the small changes. When we have an evergreen in front of us that, that, that it reminds us of eternal life and growth, of the circle of a wreath and the wreaths that will be in this room, a circle that has no beginning and no end, reminds us and symbolizes God who has no beginning and no end. This is an important season. It's important for us to remember that this kingdom, this kingdom is worth waiting for. And there are ways to wait. There are disciplined, faithful ways to wait for the coming of our king. Paul begins to talk about this. You know, he writes this wonderful letter. I'm glad I'm not the recipient of this letter in 1 Corinthians. But maybe, maybe I am the recipient of this letter. Maybe we are recipients of this letter. In this letter, Paul is writing to a church that is in crisis. They are approaching a crisis situation where divisions and factions are so prevalent that the entire church is at risk of being lost for division. 
There are those in that church who, who were divided over leadership. Some came in under Paul. Some came in under Apollos. Some came in under other leaders. And they were dividing along lines of leadership. Paul was writing a letter to address those kinds of divisions. There were divisions and socioeconomic uh, issues that, that were wrapped up and called up and presented in worship. Corinth was a powerful city. It was a metropolis. It had influences from all over the empire, all over the known world. This was a trading port. This was a, this was a, a center of trade and commerce. And so there was influence coming from every direction in this little town. It wasn't so little. It was big enough to hold all kinds of philosophical schools of thought, all kinds of religions, all kinds of socioeconomic strata from the bottom to the top. There were very poor and very rich people in Corinth. There were people from all kinds of pagan religions, all kinds of philosophies and schools of thought. Ethnicities from all over the empire and all over the world were gathered in, in Corinth. The world got really small in Corinth. In our culture today, in our world today, we can identify with some of what goes on in Corinth. And there are some very unfamiliar aspects of Corinth. But there's a lot that we would recognize as the world got really small in that city. In all the diversity of that city began to create factions and divisions, and even within the church, began to reflect the divisions and factions of the world and culture around it. And Paul saw that as a danger, a critical risk for the church. And so not only were these people aligning themselves behind Paul or Apollos or some other leader, they were also aligning themselves on where they are socioeconomically. And it began to show up in their church, in their worship services. The more wealthy people could show up early for worship. They could go ahead and enjoy the, the common meal together. They could enjoy the wine together. And by the time the lower strata showed up, those who were slaves and servants who worked all day, by the time they showed up, the food was gone. The wine was gone. The congregation was drunk. It was a mockery of worship in the Lord's Supper. There were those who would, would stratify and, and divide themselves by gifts. There were higher gifts and lower gifts. These were divine gifts, all meant to serve the community, to grow the kingdom in the world. But people found way. We find ways to divide ourselves, to compartmentalize ourselves, to elevate ourselves and lower others. Even in the church. And Paul writes his letter to instruct and to warn and to encourage. 
Our reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. But to really to get a flavor of what Paul is doing, I want to back up to verse 1. So we'll read verses 1 through 9. I don't want to, in these, in these first nine verses, pay attention to how often Jesus' Jesus' name is mentioned by Paul. Pay attention to how he opens this letter up with a very common, common Greco-Roman letter writing form with this greeting and invitation. Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in Him in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and by Him you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless the reading of His Word. Thanks be to God. Paul opens this letter up with this very common invitation, salutation, and greeting. But unless, for us today, I hope we hear what Paul is saying. In between these lines, Paul is saying there is a future and there is hope for the church, for us, and for the world. There is hope. And that's what we wait for. And because all of this is a gift from God, by God's grace, we will, able to, we will be able to persevere. We will have the strength to wait, to be disciplined for the revealing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. That's what Advent is all about. It's a time set aside to remind us as a church that Christ our Lord is is coming, has come, and will come again to offer us life, a life of hope and peace and love and joy. And we can wait for peace, love, and joy because we first have hope. Hope for a future. Hope for our life. Because that is God's gift to each and every one of us. To the church. To the world. And that we wait. So as a, as a church, as a community of faith, we wait with hope. 
We embrace the coming of our king. We embrace preparing for our king with hope. We live our life with hope. We embrace the world with hope. And that is something that the world cannot give us. That is something that Black Friday cannot give us. Cyber Monday cannot give us. Not even the college playoff system cannot give us. God alone is the source of our hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.